Welcome to the Battlestat Sports Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. All right, guys, welcome to the Battlestat Sports Podcast. Um, your host, Nick Nino's Corner Battle. Um, today, we are going to go over the uh, Texas versus West Virginia game. I actually traveled up to Morgantown, uh, you know, to go see the game. Um, this is my second time going up to the game up there. Uh, I went two years ago uh, when Texas played and they had uh, Texas versus West Virginia. West Virginia had Will Greer as a quarterback. To start off, the West Virginia fans two years ago, were truly amazing fans. The nicest, most humblest fans had a great time. Texas ended up winning the game, We, you know, but the, uh, the fans were great. Uh, this year, my God, some of probably the worst fans you ever want to meet in your life. Um, but there were – so, like, the older fans were great, all right? The older fans were amazing. Um, they told you, welcome to Morgantown, uh, welcome to West Virginia. Uh, they were – you know, very adamant about tailgating, want you to try some food, um, the whole nine. It was the students. I mean, I've never seen so many horns down shirts, horns down flags. Some people bought Texas flags and hung them upside down in the stadium. It was a crazy atmosphere for a stadium that's only 60,000 people. For some reason, West Virginia thinks that Texas is the rival, um, I beg to differ. You know, we have two rivals. One of them we don't play anymore. It's Texas A&M, and our main rival is Oklahoma, right? We all know that as Texas fans. Uh, but in saying that, West Virginia thinks that we're their rival. Um, so I let them keep thinking. You know, they played hard. It was like their Super Bowl. Uh, you know, so they played hard. But it's just my little rant about Texas a well, about West Virginia. But since I said Texas A&M, let me say one more thing. So, you know, I'm at the game, bunch of Texas guys. We're here, we're in the Texas stands. I have my wife and my kid there. And somebody with a Texas A&M shirt sits behind us. So a Texas A&M grad uh, buys a ticket to the Texas and West Virginia game and comes and watches the game in a Texas A&M shirt. And he starts to talk mess about Texas. And I'm like, dude, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> right? Why are you here? It's a Texas and West Virginia game. Why is a Texas A&M alumni here in a Texas A&M shirt watching the game? Hey, I understand it's the little brother complex and Texas stays rent-free in Texas, Texas A&M you know, guys' heads, but God, give it a rest. Then he started talking about all kind of crazy stuff, guys. You know, he kept saying, hey, you guys got to be by Kansas. I said, thank God for Kansas, because without Kansas, we wouldn't have Tom Herman. Um, uh, yeah, he kept, like, analyzing all of our plays. Anytime we did something well, he pulled on his phone. Anytime we did anything bad, he stood up and cheered. I mean, it was ridiculous. And he sat in the Texas student, I mean, the Texas uh, uh, visitor section. One of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. It's completely dumb, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah. And when Texas had the game won pretty handily when they are up 18 points, he politely gets up and leaves. I waved by at him. He didn't say anything. But it was just amazing to see, uh, you know, a, a Texas A&M fan at a Texas versus West Virginia game. Um, 
guys, that rivalry needs to happen again. We've got to get that on our schedule again. I understand that Chris Del Conte really wants that game. If you guys don't know who CDC is, Chris Del Conte, uh, and you're a Texas fan, you're not really a Texas fan. Um, but it seems like, you know, Chris Del Conte really wants that game on the schedule right now. Doesn't look like AM wants to budge on getting this on the schedule. They're too busy scheduling teams like McNeese State and things of that nature. Uh, I digress, though. But let's get into this game, guys. Texas versus West Virginia. Uh, like I said, I was at the game. It was one hell of a game. Um, uh, yeah, very, very, very good game. Um, just to get a, like a quick synopsis. This is the first game of the season where the Texas offense did not look uh, very efficient. Um, they were not efficient at all during the during the game. I, w- I would say they played probably a C plus or B minus game, but this is the kind of greatness that we've expected from Sam Ellinger, right? I don't think Sam had his best game of the year. And the two came out with four touchdowns, two rushing, uh, two passing, and only had one interception. And we're saying that that is not the best game for Sam. Um, but yeah, he had four touchdowns, guys, and one interception. Led our team to. Uh, 42 points, um, and I think that was the C-plus game, you know. Um, the defense, man, did they adjust or not? God, they adjusted so well in that second half. Um, game ball goes to uh, Deshaun Jameson, the shark. Man, two interceptions and a sports center number one play, top play of the day on Sunday. Um, who else? B.J. Foster, I did not think he was coming back in the game. I thought that Stinger would have kept him out of the game. But, man, he came back, and not only did he come back, he had a pick. And Delia Dayaway, wow, great athleticism. I mean, he dropped back after we had that uh, that drive where he missed a field goal, gets that interception, and then we ended up scoring a touchdown on, on the next drive. So, way to go. Offense was not in their A game, but the defense showed up. The defense kind of carried us in the second half. Um, the score was, like I said, 42-31. It really wasn't that close, guys. It was uh, well, it was closer to the first three quarters. Texas pulled away in that, in that fourth quarter, up, you know, up by 18 points. And I think those last two touchdowns were scored on our uh, second and third string defense. You know, I, I know the last touchdown, the the pass uh, from Austin Kendall, who had a wretched game, um, he passed the ball to his wide receiver, who ended up catching the ball over true freshman Kenyatta Watson, who – He's probably not going to – he's not ready to play prime time now, but I, he can ball. The kid can ball, but just not ready right now. But, um, yeah, so the score should have been in a little bit closer, but, you know, you got to get some guys some reps. Now, one thing I was very happy to see in this game, Kirk Johnson coming back from injury. Way to go, Kirk Johnson. Kirk, go, way to go, baby. Good to see you get the ball in your hands, man. He looked very quick. He looked elusive. He was, he was very, very good. Um, glad to see him back in the field. Now, since you're speaking about running backs, guys, let's talk about Rojo, Roshan Johnson. Dude had a game, man. <laughs> he might be the he might be the starting running back from now on if he keeps playing like that. Uh, what a game with 21 carries, 121 yards, I think, or 20 carries running around there. But he had over 120 yards and over 20 carries. He was the workhorse for us. Um, man, found money. Thank you, running back gods, for Rojo. Um, unselfish player, too. When you know, when Coach Herman said that, he came in and said, hey, kid, I want to give you the option whether you want to register or not. And he says, Coach, how can I help the team? If, if I stay at running back, can help the team? And he says, yes, one will keep me at running back. Way to go. We need – that's the culture that Coach Herman is instilling in this, in this uh, team. 
um, unselfishness, one and oh, and you hear one and oh, not only in the Texas locker room, but you hear it in the recruits who are committed. Um, uh, uh, let me see, what's the kid's name? Uh, I can't think of the kid's name. He's the, uh, the guy that plays cornerback and slot receiver. Um, he's coming in the 2021 class. Uh, Jesus, I can't think of his name. It'll come to me. But anyways, he he basically said one and oh, one and oh, you know, after after he won the game. So it was good to see that. Very good to see that. All right, guys, I'm back. Uh, actually, I got a phone call from UT Austin, uh, you know, like just a minute ago. And, uh, you know, how UT is we love to get our donations. Uh, you know, I donate pretty well to the school uh, every year. So give me, you know. I get my dues to the school, so they they called to see if I wanted to donate some more. So I, I did that. So yeah, uh, you know, a little background about me, guys. I'm an engineering major, so uh, got a degree in mechanical engineering. Um, so I graduated in 2005. So um, yeah, man. Um, but anyways, let's get back to the West Virginia game here, right? So uh, I left off at uh, Rojo, Rashawn Johnson. Uh, he was guys in for us guys um, is glad that he's, he's here on the team. Very unselfish guy. Um, but in saying on that guys, let's talk about the numbers. Uh, if you guys haven't heard about my battle stat number guys, go back and listen to some, some other episodes, go back, you know, to episode one through episode 10. I, I, I give a brief description. So I'm going to just get down into the numbers for the BSN offense and the BSN defense for the teams, uh, for the BSN offense, you know, Texas had, uh, you know, they didn't have the best offensive game, but they still clocked in at a 58.5 BSN offense, which is 19 points higher than the NCAA after 40 points. Um, they had a very pedestrian first and third quarter, a 28.1 BSN offense in the first quarter and uh, a 20.6 BSN offense in the third quarter. Um, you know, the, the offensive line wasn't the best uh, in this game. Uh, they gave up two sacks, I think, in that in that first quarter. Um, their offensive success rating was 38 point, I'm sorry, 31.8%, which was uh, less than the 40% NCAA average, you know, so a little bit over 8% less. Um, in the third quarter, uh, you know, kind of the same struggles there. Um, you know, Sam threw a uh, interception there uh, on the first play of a drive. You know, they only had 25 yards total offense in that in that third quarter, so not the best first and third quarter for that team. But second and but the second and fourth quarter, the team kind of shined and they uh, they actually lit up. Um, let me see. Most of their yards, this, this, well, not most, but 40% of their yards or nearly 40% of their yards came in the second quarter alone. No sacks in that quarter, no penalties. Um, and they scored two touchdowns. Uh, Longhorns had a OSR, which is their offensive success rating of 57.95%, so 58%. Guys, that is uh, nearly 18 points higher than the NCAA average. And they had a 99.8 point BS on offense in the second quarter. Fourth quarter was almost as 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 efficient as the uh, second quarter. The fourth quarter they had an eighty eight point BSN offense and a forty four point four offensive success rating. Um, so, yeah, the team it was a tale of uh, four different quarters, but uh, a tale of two pairs of quarters. The first and third quarter the offense was not that great. Um, the second and fourth quarter the offense was amazing. So. Um, the team finished, like I said, guys, with a 58.5 BSN offense. Um, you know, very good to see. Uh, some 
some key metrics in that game. Uh, it's good to see Samuel Cosman. Good to see the big guy get some uh, get some luck, get that catch, and uh, actually running for a touchdown. Since it was a catch behind the line of scrimmage, it was actually counted as a rushing attempt. So, you know, but way to go. The guy's very athletic. Um, uh, like I said, Rojo had a great game. Sam didn't have his best game, but he still had four touchdowns and one interception. So he had a, he had a good game for all you know intents and purposes. Um, the first quarter's offensive line wasn't the best, uh, but you know after that quarter they kind of solidified themselves and jailed themselves. Parker Brown was amazing as as usual, especially in the run game. Um, the wide receivers, uh, for some reason, I feel like the staff is not trying to put a lot on tape, and I, and I get it. We're playing OU next week. OU sucks next week. Um, so, um, well, mind you guys, it's 7.38 Eastern Standard Time, and OU still sucks. However, uh, Jake Smith um, did not play a lot in this game. You know, we had our usual suspects out there, Devin DuVernay, um, Malcolm X, uh, John Burt, Brennan Eagles. But the passing game didn't really exude a lot of uh, um, explosiveness this uh, week, uh, Devin Duvernay had his had his normal game, which is very efficient and very good. Um, and Jake Smith didn't have the best game, but he didn't have a lot of um, opportunities. But I feel like the staff's trying to not put a lot of stuff on tape because I think next week, boy, they're going for they're going for the juggler next week. Yeah, all all's going to come out that playbook next week. It's going to look like a, uh, a Auburn game um, with their coach, uh, uh, Gus Malzahn, he has all these trick plays and gadgets. That's how next week's going to look for both teams. Both teams are very vanilla this week. Um, let's get back to the West Virginia side of the offense now. So West Virginia, um, they had a 54.6 bits in offense for the game. However, when you take a look at that, uh, those last two touchdowns they scored were against UT's um, second-string defense. You take away those last two scores when their true number one offense was against our number one defense. They had a 46.9 point BS in offense, um, which was uh, nearly seven points higher than the NCAA average, but nothing that was just extravagant. Um, their top two quarters were their second and fourth quarter also, just like Texas is. But the bad thing about them having their, their top two quarters in the second and fourth quarters at Texas's second and fourth quarters were just that much better. You know, second quarter, you know, for – West Virginia, they posted an 88.9 uh, BSN offense, but UT had a 99.8, right? In the fourth quarter, West Virginia posted a 64-point BSN score, um, but you, you know, but UT had an, an 88-point uh, you know, score. So, um, yeah, for every point they scored in that second and fourth quarter, UT matchmen invested them, actually. So um, one thing about this Mountaineer offense, they could not run the ball at all. They only had 96 rushing yards. Um, so they forced Austin Kendall to pass the ball a little bit more than expected. Um, and when he passed the ball, uh, you know, he had four interceptions this game. Um, probably could have had a few more, but, uh, uh, you know, but anyways, uh, his, his increased passing rate uh, uh, basically led him to have those four interceptions, which is probably the difference in the game. Um, so when, when you look at these things, guys, uh, you know, the UT offense was not the best this week, but they're still able to, you know, like pull out a win. Now let's go to the BSN defense side of the ball. Um, so Texas posted a 50.2 BSN defense, um, which is five points higher than the NCAA average of 45 points. But the highlight of this game, guys, were those four picks. Um, the one by um, Delhi, uh, he's had the first interception. I think Jameson had the second interception, Foster the third, and Jameson with the fourth interception. So, you know, way to go, guys. <coughs> Excuse me. Way to go, guys, for getting those interceptions. Um the defensive line got some decent push, but still no sacks this game, which is kind of alarming. Um, 
I'd like to see them get some, you know, you know, some better uh, pressure on the quarterback. They they did get pressure on him, but they just didn't get to him. I would like to see him get, you know, just a few more sacks or just a few sacks in general. They'd see, you know, you know, they didn't get any of this game. Um, Austin Kendall did pass for 367 yards this game, but let's take into account, if I'm not mistaken, 189 yards in the fourth quarter. Um, so 189 total yards in the fourth quarter, and I think of roughly 120 or so were passing. So, you know, I took it with a grain of salt because Texas had the 18-point lead and put the backups in. Um, yeah. Uh, Texas defense uh, finished with an above average 52.2 defensive success rating or DSR. And so, you know, 7% north of what the NCAA average is of, uh, of 45%. Now, if we go to the West Virginia side of the house, their defense was uh, pretty horrible. You know, uh, they had a 35.9 BSN defense, so basically a 36-point, uh, uh, you know, score, uh, which is nine points less than NCAA average of 45 points. Um, they had a 45% uh, DSR, which is it's the same as the average. So an average team's uh, defensive, defensive success rating. Um, uh, they had horrible second and fourth quarter um, BSN defenses. Uh, so the BSN defense for the second quarter was 7.1 points, 7.1, guys. Not 71, 7.1. And in the fourth quarter, they had a, this is a, one of the first times. I had it happen before, I think two years ago. It was a team that had this, had this but uh, they had a negative BSN. They had a negative 3.6 points for BSN defense, for the uh, defense uh, yeah, for West Virginia. So, And also in those quarters, they had a 21% uh, DSR in the second quarter and a 33% DSR in the, in the third and then the fourth quarter. I'm sorry. Um, they did a good job of actually corralling that passing game. However, they couldn't start on the running game. You know, so it looks like Texas had 216 yards rushing, uh, and you know, and four touchdowns on the ground. So that was amazing for them, and it ended up uh, gashing out West Virginia. And when Texas did pass the ball, they were successful. Now, guys, when we look at the the QB comparison, you know, yeah, Samson had the best game, but he did just enough to win the game. You know, and it's getting to a point now to where. Sam is playing at such an elite level that when he doesn't have a great game, he's still putting a four touchdowns, one interception, and we're starting to nitpick him. This shows the sign of a great team. Shows the sign of a team that's becoming elite. So when your quarterback can have games of this nature, and you're like, "Wow, he didn't play that well," but he still comes up with the win. Um, still has over 350 yards of total offense, and still uh, uh, played well enough to win the game, even though it wasn't his best game. So. Sam Ellinger bested Austin Kendall um, in the passing um, efficiency. He had a 43% passing efficiency, which is three points above the average. Austin Kendall had a 41. Austin Kendall did get him in the rushing side of the house. He had a 75% rushing um, effectiveness and and, uh, rating, and Sam had a 67%. So both guys were highly efficient when they ran the ball. Austin Kendall was slightly better, even though he didn't have the uh, yards that Sam had, but he was slightly better. But the overall BSN – um, I'm sorry, the overall success rating for, for these two quarterbacks, Sam was better by one point, 45% compared to Austin Kimball's 44%. Um, now, when you look at a per down basis on first down, both guys were even, 43% success rating on first down. Second down, Austin Kimball bested Sam, 42% to 38%. And third down, which is I think is the money down, guys. Third down, Sam had a 46% success rating compared to Austin Kimball's 27%. Uh, you know, you you know, when it counted, Sam was basically damn near getting um, 
third down success ratings, efficiencies at, you know, one for one, you know, so one out of, you know, every one out of two third downs he was successful at. So meaning that he got enough yards to where he got a first down, um, just passing the ball. So in saying all that, this could have been an easy trap game. You know, these guys could have looked ahead to Oklahoma, but they didn't. They won the game, went in the hostile territory. And it was a hostile, you know, territory. I was there at the game. A lot of horns down, you're throwing a lot of booze, getting getting thrown, a lot of your mama's dish, your mama's dad, and your and your girlfriend's dish, your girlfriend's dad. So, anyways, let's go to the next game. OU's next. What does Texas have to do to win this game next week? They got to play a hell of a lot better on offense, and the defense has to play a lot better too. The, the defense, this is going to be a game. It's, I think it's going to be a shootout. Uh, but now that I say it's going to be a shootout, watch the game go like twenty five, like twenty four to twenty. But anyways, I. I, I this game is going to be a lot like last year. It's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be whoever has the ball last. And so every team can make one stop, maybe two. Who can make a stop? Is Texas defense primed better to make a stop against Oklahoma? Or is Oklahoma's defense primed better to make a, make a stop or a couple key stops against Texas? That's going to be the key to the game. Another key to this game is going to be Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson hasn't played, uh, what, in three games now? I mean, uh, this is the fifth game of the year. I think he this, he, he played against LSU, has played since. Colin Johnson, we need him on the field because when Colin Johnson is on the field, he opens up the passing game for everybody, right? So with him on the field, you got to pay attention to him. you got to have your, your, your best or your second best corner on him. It's going to open the field up so much more for Devin DuVernay. Uh, it's going to open up the field so much more for Brendan Eagles to streak down the field. It's going to open up the field so much more for Jake Smith. Um, yeah, so it's going to be Texas needs all hands on deck. Where Oklahoma's going to have an advantage here, guys, is that our DBs, man. Uh, I was hoping Jalen Green would somehow magically be healed up for the next game, but it looks like he's not. Uh, he's not walking through that door. But in Kate Stearns, he looks like he's hurt too. But the good thing about safety is you're very deep at safety. I'm a little worried about corner. Jameson looks, Jameson looks like he's turned that corner. Anthony Cook looked, you know, pretty good this last game. He tackled very well. Didn't give up a lot of big plays. Um, so it's going to be interesting, guys. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, but like I said, safety, I think we're deep enough um, between having B.J. Foster back there, Brandon Jones. Um, let's say DeMarvion Overshawn is going to be in the game. Uh, we got to figure out what's going to happen with Chris Brown. But the guy like Montreal still is actually, you know, stepping and play well also. So it's going to be a it's going to be a good game, but I think both teams, I think Oklahoma and I think Texas, played very vanilla these last couple of games. They want to put too much on film, you know, for for each other to, to see in this in this Red River shootout. Another thing is how's Jalen Hurts going to react in this first Red his first and only Red River shootout. And you know, I know he said today that he's played the Iron Bowl and he's played big games, but you know those those games are a lot different than the Red River shootout. He's never played in the game where half the stadium's red and half of it's burnt orange. You know, um, so, you know, the Iron Bowl, it's, it's a home and home. So you got all your fans at one game and you got all your fans at another game. And if you guys ever been to the to the Red River shootout, guys, you know, it's con- continuously loud because somebody's cheering at all times. Half the same cheering. So it is loud. It's at least 50,000 people cheering the whole time. So it's a different atmosphere. And we'll see if Jalen's ready for it. I think he'll he'll be ready. Um, but um, it's something it's something to monitor. Also, OU, it looks like maybe both of their starting tackles, right and left tackle, might not be playing in this game. And if that happens, that our guys need to get pressure. Take one, Graham. Uh, Malcolm Roach, 
Colburn had a really good game this last game. He's so disruptive. But those guys got to get some pressure if their tackles aren't in the game. Got to get pressure and got to be able to contain Jalen Hurts while he tries to scramble. So we need some quick linebackers out there. Um, so in saying all that, guys, it's going to be an amazing game. Cannot wait to see it. I'm going to be at the D.C. Texas Bar uh, Yard House down, uh, you know, downtown D.C. Like I go to for every OU game these past four years. Well, the, the first two were in D.C. Duffy, but now we changed it to the Yard House. So I'm going to be there. I cannot wait to see this game. I got a feeling that we're going to do very well in this game, which we always do. These games, you know, you can draw the record books on this one. It's going to always be a great robbery. But in saying that, guys, uh, I will be joining. I will be talking to you guys after this game is over on Saturday, so probably Sunday morning. Um, and let's uh, hope for this win, guys. Uh, so in those last words, hook them, guys, and we'll talk in the next episode.